And so, Father, we trust you that your words will be said this morning, your deeds would be done, your glory would be made manifest. Father, we never tire praying this prayer. Lord, help us get this job done. Even so, Lord Jesus, we bid thee come. Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name and all God's people said. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning, everyone. And welcome to the Fredonia edition of Family Church, one of 10 locations, 10 other locations, we should say, in Pennsylvania, New York, and Europe, and more to come. And so we're just so thrilled and honored to have you here, visiting friends, returning guests, um, all those watching via live stream all over the world, and uh, of course our church family right here. You know, I, I'm sure we could, we could still have church with no one here, but it wouldn't be very edifying. <laughs> but uh, we're glad you're here. And we're just reminding everyone watching online, there is no substitute for coming in person. The Word of God is very clear in the book of Hebrews. As you see the day approaching, it's talking about the coming of the Lord. As you see that day approaching, how many know we're closer than any generation before to the coming of the Lord? The Bible says not to forsake the assembling of yourselves, what? Together. And so it is the mind, plan, purpose of God that we do come together. Uh, we thank God for live stream, especially for those of you that may have symptoms or just can't get out or in traveling, which many people fall under those categories. But if you're able to come, I, I tell you, that's, that's a step of obedience that God will bless you. And so we want to encourage you, for those of you that are watching online, if you can get to a local church, get to a local church. Praise the Lord. Um, without further ado, if uh, any of our kids have not gone already, go ahead and go to your program downstairs. And the rest of us, if you can be opening your Bibles to the book of Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, we'll shortly get to our message, and I just want to publicly uh, congratulate Pastor Billy of the Gospel Church and his wife and their congregation uh, for meeting uh, this morning. I actually was doing some business in town, I stopped over and I tell you, they were like busy bees over there, get that building ready for services this morning, and so we, we congratulate you on behalf of family churches, and we, we pray for God's blessing uh, upon you, your congregation, may you grow, thrive, and carry out this work in Jesus' name, so we, we love you guys, and congratulations from family church, praise the Lord. So have you found... Ephesians chapter 1, and again, the, the primary, why do we come to church? Well, of course, we, we worship God, we honor God, but how many know that, that should be a daily thing? We should be worshiping and fellowshiping God, and, but God does like it when we come together corporately. You know, um, you know I have kids, you know, uh, you know that uh, one's in California all over, and you know, it's not all the time now, we're almost empty nesters. But when we come together for the holidays, it's a special time when the whole family gathers together. And uh, the Father likes that. It, it pleases Him when, when, his, when His children gather together. And so, um, you know, that's why it's so important, so important, the Spirit of God is stressing, to, to get together. There, there is no substitute for that. But the reason we, we come together is to hear the Word of God under a ministry gift. God set in a church some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. This was God's design. And uh, primarily uh, when it comes to the local congregation, it's the pastor that will feed the flock of God. And there, there are some things that uh, you just won't get on your own. 
and that's God has instituted or uh, in uh, the local church and there's certain uh, things through the the pastor's office that will be ministered to you maybe you have some needs in your life maybe you need some clarity direction and God just instituted to make the local church like the the mailbox I mean no that's where you get your mail you know, you, you may order something or waiting for something and, uh, you know, maybe you ordered online and, uh, you know, transaction's done. But usually, unless it's real big, they, they put that stuff in the mailbox. And that's where you, what, receive your packages. And many of us are believing for things, want clarity of things, you know, relationships, decisions in life. And, and God answers those prayers, but many times he, he, he sends it to the mailbox, a local church. But the problem is sometimes people aren't there to receive their mail. And maybe you've gone on vacation and forgot to send, fill out one of those yellow slips, you know, hold the mail. <laughs> and uh, you get home and all of a sudden it's stuff, it's flowing over and, and so forth and uh, and so some of you out there your mailbox is full you know you, you know you ever get like a like on a cell phone service your voicemail and you want to leave a message for someone and they say voicemail box full and you can't put any more messages until they retrieve the messages on it. So that's, that's by the Spirit of God reaching out to some of you. You know, not, not as a, a guilt combination, but, but He's trying to minister and to help you. And so, uh, so we, we, we're grateful that you're watching, but there's no place like being in person. Regardless if this is your home church or you're several states over, you, you need to be going to your own local church. It is the plan of God. So, commercial over. Amen. Just taking care of some business. Have you found Ephesians chapter 1? For the past couple of weeks, we've been looking on the subject of authority or our dominion, our position in Christ. And uh, we, we took as a text, as a golden text, a prayer that the Apostle Paul prayed for the church of Ephesus. And the Holy Ghost saw fit to record that prayer. That means it is an inspired prayer. That means it is a model prayer. That means we can study that prayer. We can learn that prayer. We can pray that prayer for ourselves. We can learn a principle and principles of God in this prayer. And so let's go ahead and look at it again. In the book of Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 15. And Paul prayed this, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in Lord Jesus, and love to all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. And this is what he's praying. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. That the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know the hope of his calling. What is the riches of his glory in the inheritance and the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who to believe? According to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world but also in the world which is to come, and he has put all things under his feet and gave him the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. And uh, we, we took a little time looking at this prayer, dissecting this prayer. We're not going to take much time in a way of review, but we, we did say this. We do encourage you to pray this prayer for yourself. 
This is a model prayer for Christians. This is a model prayer to pray for others, other Christians. And we saw right away Paul prayed differently than we do. And I would dare say Paul knew how to pray a little bit more accurately scripturally than we do. You know, we, when someone is sick, we pray, Lord, heal them. Someone is hurting. Lord, help them. Someone has a financial need. Lord, send the finances. But Paul didn't pray any of those things. Paul prayed that they might see. Paul prayed that they might know. And uh, we know this, that everything we need in life, you know, natural life, spiritual life, is gi given to us through the Lord Jesus Christ, and all the promises of God are yes and amen. That means everything we need has been provided already. And what we do a lot of times in prayer is we're trying to ask God to do something that He's already done. That's, you know, I, I'm grateful that I have uh, crews come in and they mow my grass and take care of my yard because if they didn't, I'd have to quit the ministry just to take care of my yard. So I am grateful for, for everyone that, that helps and, and, and serves. But it, if they just cut my grass yesterday and then um, I call them today, hey guys, when are you going to cut my grass? They're going to go, huh? What are you talking about? We already did that. And the same thing with God. You know, when we say, God, heal me. Oh, God, send the finances. And God, do this. God, give me breakthrough. Give me victory. As you study the word, you see all of these things have already been provided. And that's why Paul didn't pray that the Lord would give us these things. That he prayed that we would see the things that already belong to us. And so the, the, the prayer, in essence, prays that the eyes, that, that we would have a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. And we saw what that will do that causes the eyes of our understanding to be enlightened. We have natural eyes, we have spiritual eyes. And so when we're given the spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of Him, our spiritual eyes are enlightened. It allows our spiritual eyes to see. Now what happens when our spiritual eyes see? That's what we call revelation. That's what we call light. I'm sure some of us experience that. You read the Bible, and you maybe read it a hundred times, and all of a sudden you saw a scripture, and it jumped out to you and say, oh, I never saw it. This is it. This is my answer. What is that? that that's revelation. Your, your, your spirit saw something. You've been trying to grasp it with your mind, but when your spirit saw it, ah, it became life. Faith was there. Victory was there. And so... This prayer is to pray that our eyes, our spiritual eyes, be enlightened. And once our spiritual eyes are enlightened, three things that it would lighten us, the three things that the Spirit of God would show us, number one, the hope of His calling. We spent some time on that. We don't need to look at it again. That simply means that you would know God's will. There's many, many dear ones that cry out, God, I want to know your will. I want to know your will. Well, pray this prayer. This prayer will help you to see the hope of his calling, what he's called you to. Number two, uh, what is the riches of his glory in the heritage and the saints? And that's a powerful one. Um, this simply uh, is a prayer that you would see everything that God has provided. And this is a prayer, especially if your brothers and sisters are struggling. If saying they're, they're believing God for a sickness, they're believing God uh, for a breakthrough, for finances, and, and you want to help them. Uh, what is the greatest help is they see what God has provided. They, they get a revelation. Oh my, by his stripes I was healed. I'm trying to get healed. That's wrong. I, I'm barking up the wrong tree. I am and start to believe that I am and they will be. And so tremendous prayer.
tremendous prayer. And again, my spiritual father, Kenneth Hagan, uh, was in the ministry for, for about 15 years. And for several weeks, he prayed this prayer uh, over and over for himself, that the eyes of his understanding would be enlightened. And he said this after several weeks of praying this prayer for himself. He learned more in those several, several weeks than 15 years of ministry put together. He, he saw things clear like never before, and, and he said this in his own words. He says, I was wondering why the deacons didn't tell me to get out of the rain. I mean, he, was, he said, I, I was clueless before. 15 years in ministry, clueless until the eyes of his spirit were enlightened. So again, I, I, I would encourage you to pray this prayer. You know, so much of what uh, we need is simply is light in these areas. But we're focusing on the third thing that Paul prayed, that, that, that uh, I want us to see, and God wants us to see, what is the greatness of his power. And verse 19 says, what is the exceeding greatness? I keep saying greatness is power, and I'm doing God a disservice. It's not greatness of his power. It's not just power, not just great power. It is exceeding greatness of his power. And that's by God's definition, not ours. His ways, his thoughts are higher in our ways and thoughts. But notice the greatness of his power, the exceeding greatness of his power is towards us who believe. And I made mention last week, if you were to look that word up in the Greek and study that out, it leaves the idea that when, when God raised Jesus from the dead, that was the greatest exercise of God's power that ever was. You know, I, I would think creation was. It said that he, he flung the universe with his fingertips. I mean, that's power. Try that at home. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, here he spoke. How long ago? I don't know. And he said, and the universe is continually expanding. If he said it millions of years ago, it's still expanding. The scientists say that the universe is still expanding. That is great power. But here it says the greatest power that we know of is exercised when he raised Jesus from the dead. And again, we looked at that. People are raised to dead all the time. People today are still raised from dead. That, that is not exceeding greatness as his power. You know, it's commonplace and should be commonplace. But it says that that power was to us word who believe when he raised Jesus from the dead. So there is something that God wants us to get a revelation on that happened to us, that's available to us when God raised Jesus from the dead. Now to get that, uh, we must turn to chapter 2 of the book of Ephesians. And we see what he's talking about. And we said this before, when Paul wrote this letter, he did not write in chapter and verse. Uh, chapter 2 is just continuing along the same thoughts of chapter 1 where the prayer is recorded. But in chapter 2, starting with verse 1, he begins to show us what was the exceeding greatness of his power to us. We begin to see where we fit in, where Christ was raised from the dead. And it starts out right at verse 1. And you, so now he's talking about you. We know in chapter 1, it's talking about that, that great power to us when he raised Jesus from the dead. Now he's saying, now this, this is what was given to you. And you hath he quickened. We know that, that King James word quickened is made alive. Who were dead in trespasses and sins. And of course, not talking about 
physical death. It's talking about spiritual death. And verse 2, in times past, you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom we all had our conversation, our conduct, our lifestyle in times past, and the lusts of the flesh, the, the fulfilling of the desires of flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others, but God, thank God for God, but God who is rich in mercy. And again, you know, if you're newer with us, if you could look at the archives, we took a little time and see what a pitiful condition we were. We, we were, what on Jesus said, broad is the way that leads to destruction. We were all on the path to destruction, led by Satan on the path of hell. And so that's the path. We were by nature enemies of God, but God in his great love and mercy, uh, wherein he's loved us, verse 5, when we were dead in sins, not physical death, but spiritual death and sin, hath quickened, made alive together with Christ, by grace are you saved, and has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And so this is what Paul wants us as a church to have a revelation of. He wants us to know the exceeding greatness of his power towards us that believe when he raised Jesus from the dead. Something happened to us when God raised Jesus from the dead. And here it tells us that three things happened to us. And that's why it was the exceeding greatness of God's power. The first thing is that it says here in verse 5, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. And we, we look what that meant. We, we, we saw very clearly that Jesus he who knew no sin became sin for us. Jesus didn't just take on our sin, he became sin. His, his spotless spirit, his pure spirit, God unloaded the sins of mankind on the spirit. And so essence, in essence, Jesus died as a sinner. Now, not his sins, he never transgressed, he died for our sins. And now I know a lot of people can't handle this you know someone had ought to have a movie that there's a, there ought to be a line you can't handle the truth <laughs> and some people can't you know i see it very clear but if you, you differ we we must not fight about it. when we get to heaven jesus is going to straighten us all out but when when jesus became our sin not just took us he became our sin he that knew no sin became our sin um he was forsaken the father you know, that's why Jesus on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I mean, God, got, God turned his back on Jesus as if he was a sinner on the time of his death. Now, now some people will, will fight and say that's heresy, but, you know, don't fight. At it. Just, just be humble enough in the word. I, I, truly, I believe unless Jesus went to hell for us, we, we could not be born again. That, that's why when it says that you cannot be saved unless you believe Jesus raised from the dead. See, in the mind of God, when Jesus went to hell, he went to hell for us. And uh, he paid the price for us as a sinner. He was punished as a sinner in hell for us. That's the only way we could be redeemed. And so, here it said that we were quickened together. So, here Jesus took our sin forsaken of God, and is punished in hell 
as a sinner for the sins of mankind. When justice was fulfilled, when the price was fulfilled, when the just suffered for the unjust, the Bible says that he was quickened. He was made alive. Now, some people, well, yeah, he was made alive physically. No, he was made alive spiritually in that place of darkness. Now, a great book, if you really like to, to get more into details, is E.W. Kenyon's What Happened from the Cross to the Throne. It's, it's a great book, and, and it'll, he'll go in much greater detail than I will. This is kind of Sunday morning soup. You know, you got to just kind of keep it basic. But he was made alive. In, in, in the place, uh, uh, in the prison of hell. He was spiritually made alive. But here it says we were made alive, what? Together with him. When Jesus was made alive in hell, we were made alive in hell. How, that's what the, he's trying to say, the eyes understand being light. See, Folks that try to understand it with their minds will miss it. It's got to be by revelation that you may see. And it's very clear. You cannot deny it says we were quickened together with him. Now let me ask you this. Were you quickened physically 2,000 years ago when Jesus was in hell? No. So I dare say most of us weren't born yet. So he's not talking about, he's not talking about a physical thing. But a spiritual thing. The new birth is spiritual, not physical. And so, not only was Jesus made alive, but the whole church was. Every single person that ever lived spiritually, Jesus took their place and we were quickened. We were made alive with him. Where? In the place of suffering. And uh, Revelation 1.5, just put that up. Real quick, uh, just to give reference, and this is the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ, an angel that, that uh, gave John the book of Revelation. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the first begotten of the dead. What does that mean, firstborn of the dead? Jesus was the first to be born again. And when Jesus was born again we were born again we were quickened made alive not physically but spiritually together with him and so God wants to see that and when Jesus was made alive something happened in Colossians 2 15 it says this and having spoiled principalities and powers he made a show of them openly triumphing over them in it that word spoiled means to strip or disband or or to disarm and if you study this out in the Greek it means that Jesus stripped them off or, or threw them off of himself um, other translations again we, we looked at this but how I many you know faith doesn't come by have heard, but hearing and hearing? The more you hear it, the more it gets into your spirit. Uh, the Weiss translation, having stripped off and away from himself, principalities and powers. Do you see that? When he stripped him, what did he do? He stripped him off of himself. Okay? 
uh, the Weymouth New Testament and the hostile princes and rulers he shook off from himself and boldly displayed them as con his conquests by the cross triumphing over them. And so what evidently happened is when Jesus was made alive in the pit of hell, what? We were made alive. We were quickened. And evidently, all the hosts of darkness wanted to have a football game. Now, you know anything about football? A little bit, right? He plays football. You know, when someone has the opposing team has the ball and, and is going for the, the end zone, right? That's the end zone. The other team said, man, he's got the ball. We just, just let him run. No, the whole team goes after him. And they, what? Pile on. They, they don't want to move. So in hell, all the hosts of Satan, we're not going to let him, <laughs> you know, they piled on. Jesus, with all the hosts of Satan, I say it this way, don't disrespect, he had a Hulk moment. <sighs> he flung them, defeated them. But what we have to see, we were with him when he did that. When he disarmed them is as if we disarmed it because we were together, what? With him. Jesus didn't say, now, stand aside, boys. Let me handle this. Then, then you can be together with me again. No, everything that happened in this death, burial, resurrection, the Bible's very clear. We were over and over. He says, together, together, together with him. We were quickened together. Now, it says this, not only were we quickened, and that's when he stripped off principalities and powers, but it says this in Ephesians chapter 2, verse, let's start with verse 5, put that on. And even when we were dead in sins, spiritually, not physically, we weren't physically there, but spiritually we were, number one, quickened together with Christ. We were made alive spiritually with Christ. Verse 6, and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So three things happened. When Jesus was quickened, we were quickened. We were quickened together. When God raised Jesus from the dead, he raised us up what? Together. Together. I, I, we're not going to be tested. I'm trying to make it very... And so, what, what we got to see it that we weren't absent from Christ. We were there. When he defeated Satan, we defeated Satan. When God raised Jesus from the dead, we were raised from the dead together. And the third thing, it says then we were made to sit together in heavenly places. Again, just to confound those that try to interpret this naturally, uh, have you been seated at the right hand of the throne of God physically? Have you, have you been seated there and just, oh, well, it's time for church. Bye-bye, Father. I'm going to go to family church. No, it's not talking about physically. It's talking about spiritually. Three things happened to us. That happened to him, and it was all together. We were made to sit together in heavenly places. And this is what we need to see. So often we struggle. So often devils and demons cause havoc. So often circumstances dominate us. 
But when we know this, this power that, that we were quickened, we were raised and we're seated, and this, we were seated with Him in heavenly places. Where is that? Jesus, we're together with you. Where did you go? We know you're raised together and seated together in heavenly places. Well, we got to go back to Ephesians chapter 1. Starting with verse 19. Let's read it again. Pastor, you're very repetitious. It's, um, you have to be. See, my job, my job is not to preach a sermon. That way you can pay the man and go home. My job is to get something in you. Relight and revelation. And, and I, I'm following the Spirit of God. Brother Hagen said sometimes you have to go over 20 times. 20 times until they see it different angles. And so that I, I'm raised up together. You were raised up together. So where were we raised? Again, not physically, but spiritually. Verse 19, Ephesians, what is exceeding greatness is power towards us believe according to working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. All right, when he was raised from the dead, who was there? We were together. And set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. So when God raised, when we were quickened, we were made alive, we were raised together, and we're seated together in heavenly places, here it tells us exactly where we're seated. At the Father's right hand. Brothers and sisters, not only is Jesus at the right hand of the Father, He's there physically and spiritually. His whole essence is there. We're seated there spiritually. The authority that's at the Father's right hand is our authority. We're, we're together with Him. Well, I just don't believe it. You just make too much of yourself. No, that's what the Word says. Satan will fight this revelation. Satan will, will, will infuse people religious thinking to keep them in bondage and so forth. But here, we were raised. You were raised, brothers and sisters, at the Father's right hand in places. Now, look at this. Verse 21. Far above all. Not just a little bit. Far above all principality, power, might, and dominion, and every name that is named now in this world, but also in which is to come. And has put all things under his feet and gave behead over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Notice, we are raised together, and it tells us exactly, we're seated at the Father's right hand, far above all, every single one, principalities, powers, might, and dominion. Well, those are the things that try to keep Jesus and us bound in hell. We whip them. 1 John 4, 4 says, you are God, little children, you're born of God, little children have overcome them. Because why? We overcame them because when Jesus overcame them, we were there. And plus we have the greater one on the inside of us. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And so all these principalities and powers, we're seated, and that's a place of authority, far above all of them. All of them. We read about them in Ephesians 6, 12. Put that up real quick. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against what? Principalities, powers, the rulers of darkness, this world, spiritual weakness, high places. Those are ranks of Satan under Satan himself. Where are we seated when compares them? 
far above all of them. I have greater authority than all of them. I have greater authority than the devil does. You have greater authority than the devil does. I'm seated far above them. You know, we sing the devil's under our feet. We sing it, but in practice, we're under his feet. That's why you need the revelation and light. I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions, not to be tread upon. Every circumstance, every situation ought to be under our feet. We're, we're seated far above all of them. All of them. He is under our feet, but it does us no good unless we have a revelation. And we, we said this, and it bears repeating. And, and it has to be by, if hell had a lottery... You know what a lottery is. People go crazy over a lottery. They buy tickets and tickets and they want to be the lucky winner. If hell had a lottery and hell picked your name and then say, this is Geo Day. <laughs> and so Satan gives a man every principality, power, ruler of darkness, the world, sprinkled with high business. You drop every assignment you're doing and you go after Geo today. <laughs> Now, I'm not prophesying, my brother. All right. You know, most people would run and hide. Most people say, oh my, oh my God, pray for me. Oh. If you know, you're seated far above them. Far above them. When they come, you know, we go like this, oh, like this. You ought to be. What? You got to come up a little closer. I can't see you. Oh, an ant. Yeah, you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. The only reason why Christians suffer is they don't know. That's the only reason. They just don't know. Any area that they're suffering, they're feeding, it's simply they don't know. That's why Paul prayed, the eyes are understanding, that you may know. That you may know. We're seated far above them. And uh, not only that. It says this. That not only every demon. Every devil and demon. But every name that is named. We're seated. It's talking about authority. COVID's a name. Cancer's a name. Depression. Oppression's a name. Anything that has a name on it, you're seated above it. It has no right to dominate you. It is under your feet. Well, Pastor, I've been struggling 15 years. It's because you don't know. That's why Paul ceased not to pray. The eyes of their understanding being like that they would know. You know, I, I, my wife and I, you know, we're, we're watchmen when it comes to prayer. That's an assignment that the Lord has given us. And, you know, we pray for hours and pray for people and endeavor to help people. Probably the number one thing that we'll pray out and get interpretation of is we'd be right, Lord, help them to see. Help them to see. Because they're struggling. They're struggling. And they don't need to struggle because they just don't see. They don't see what belongs to them. They don't see their rights and privileges. They don't, and, they, they, of course, then they think wrong about things. They think as a victim, therefore they live as a victim. You are more than a conqueror in Christ. And the only reason you're not a conqueror, you just don't know. 
It's no indicator. You just, you just need a revelation. Well, how do you get a revelation? Hence, pray the spur, the eyes to understand and be enlightened, that you may know. Now, again, folks have a hard time with us being together with Christ. No, 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 far above. That's Jesus only. That's not you. You know, they'll try to figure out some loophole together. Then when, you know, he, he put us aside when he got raised to the Father's right hand. No, the Bible says we were seated together in heavenly places. Not physically, spiritually. And he confirms even this greater authority. Not only every name that's named. Not only in this world. That means we have complete other authority in this world. But it doesn't end there. The next world. And the world which is to come. You know, we, we get parts and glimpses of that world. I mean, we're talking millennium and then the, the new heavens and new earth. That we are seated for eternity above everything. Yeah, in Christ. And it says this, and gave him behead over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Okay, let me ask you this. We are seated together. We're raised together. He is the head of the what? Church, the body, his body, head, body. We're his body. He is the head. Now, I don't know, maybe, maybe this is possible. Did some of you, your head only came here and your bodies were at home? That'd be kind of scary. Now, I know some of you came here, your head is somewhere else, but, but we understand that we've all done that. You, you can't separate the head from the body. And see, even God with this, he says, he gave him the head of the church and he put all things under his feet his feet who who has the feet the body we are the body of christ where he's seated we're seated he has put all we could say this he's put all things under my feet all things sickness disease oppression depression lack that's why paul prayed that we would see this E.W. Kenyon said this in his wonderful book, In the Name of Jesus, Wonderful Name of Jesus. He said this, but we have a conviction that before the Lord returns, and that's what we're working, that's what we're trying to get this job done, there will be a mighty army of believers who will learn the secret of living in the name of Jesus, reigning this life, living victorious, transcendent, resurrecting life from the Son of God among men. The book of Romans says the earth cries out. The earth is groaning, crying out for the manifestations of the sons of God. What is that saying? See, the earth remembers when, when God walked with man, when man was sinless, that God gave man dominion and he had. He ruled and reigned. Everything was in perfect harmony as God created it. Then when man sinned, it fell into corruption. And said this, so for 6,000 years, the earth it's been travailing and, 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 and crying out, desiring to be restored to what it once had. So nature cries out. Nature cries out. It wants to see the manifestations of the sons of God. This is found in the book of Romans, chapter 8. 
And see, we got to get this thing done. And uh, so often, Lord, send the power, send the power, send the power, send the power. What we need to know is what we need to know. We need the eyes of our understanding being light. Um, Let's just take it a little further. Then we'll, we'll pause it and pick it up next week. First of all, we need, we need a revelation of this. I can't give you a revelation. I can't lay hands on you. But you can do this. You can pray this prayer. And you can meditate on these things. You know, someone ought to have a game show. And say this. And it can be yours if the price is right. You know, because honestly, the majority of Christians, when it comes to these things, are uninterested or too lazy. Not, not, not family churches. Maybe some of you that didn't come to church today, but that's between you and God. I, I can't judge you. You know, you talk about this. Ruling and reigning Christ. We're positioned. Oh, that's nice. Go home, pastor has a nice sermon. But I'm praying, Lord, may the eyes of my understanding be light. I, I want to know the hope of your calling. Father, I, I know Pastor preached that, and it just seems in my head I want that in my heart. I've been so defeated, so oppressed, so dominated in this life. I pray for the eyes of my understanding be enlightened and begin to pray diligently, diligently. Then you get in the Bible. And, and you look at it, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him in his own right hand. Then places. Father, you've set me in your own right hand. Help me get a revelation and go to 1 John 4, 4. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And that's how you get it on the inside of you. But a lot of people don't want to do that. What, you know, it's sad. I don't know about you, but, you know, if, if I had a, a million dollars in the bank, let, let's bring it real, where we, now, now you perk up, right? right? And you found out there's a million dollars in the bank, would you have the same attitude towards that million dollar bank as to these spiritual truths? Well, that's nice. Yeah, I got a million dollars in the bank. Never seen it, never touched it, never used it, but it, it's there. You, you can live and die. And it'll do you no good. But I, don't, I, I know you. Now, if you're not sure, you put a million dollars in my bank account. <laughs> or in the bank account. I will show you what to do. First of all, I, I got to confirm, is this real? And, and go, bank, my name, my security number, whatever. Show me the, fi- is this real? Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay, okay. How, how do I access this? How do I? <laughs> oh, well, well, you need a debit card. You need a check card. And here we can get you all set up. And you can freely, it belongs to you. And, and you, you'd start running, start dancing. So, woo, woo, I got to. <laughs> and yet. We have these riches and glory. Complete dominion. Complete healing. Well, that's certainly nice. But you know what I believe. You know, whatever God wants to do, He's going to do. You know? That's like saying whatever the million dollars wants to do, it's going to do. It's going to do nothing for you. 
just sit there. So these saints, by the Spirit of God, is crying out, are precious. And these things are the key to unlocking who you are in Christ, what He's provided in you. And we, we must give diligence to these things. Now, I don't have this. I didn't give the scripture, but we're going to end with this and pick it up next week. In 1 Peter, Do, do, do. All right. First. Okay. No, I think it's Second Peter. Let's see. Do, 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 do. Yeah, it's Second Peter. Second Peter, one with this. Chapter one. Verse 17. Second Peter one says, For you receive from God, meaning Jesus. Such honor and glory when we came a voice to him in the excellency of glory. This is my beloved son whom I'm well pleased. So it's talking about, remember Mount Transfiguration? God spoke and God himself said something. This is my beloved son whom I'm well pleased. That's what he's referring to. Verse 18. And this voice, when it came from heaven, we heard and we were with him in the holy mount. But verse 19 is what we want to get at. But we have a more sure word of prophecy. It means, even though God spoke audibly, you know what's even a higher authority? The Bible, the word. It is written. Now notice this. Where until you do well to take heed, as unto a light that shines in dark places, until the day dawn and the day star rise in your heart. What's that saying? Do you take heed to a truth as a light in a dark place? Have you ever been sick? Have you ever been with the you know oppressed, depressed? That's a dark place. And in too many times we go to Facebook, we go to everybody else, we talk to everyone. Problem, your answers are in the Word. And what's it say? You take heed to the word, whatever darkness you're in, as into a light in a dark place. Have you ever been like, we, Pastor Scott and I went to uh, the Hoover Dam. It's an amazing, you know, Mead Lake, and so the, uh, an amazing manufacturer of mint. And uh, we went down in the tunnels, and I begged the guide, turn the lights off. I want to know what total darkness is. Of course, they wouldn't do it. And, and all the other customers were thankful they didn't listen to me. But I wanted to turn it off. What total darkness is. But if you're in darkness, no matter how deep that darkness, there's a light. It's called the light of God's word. And a lot of times people are begging and getting people to pray Get me out to the light. No, you take heed to the word. I mean, when you're in a dark cavern and there's a light, you don't sit down and say, well, yeah, that's a nice light. I'm going to go this way. Boom. Oh, there's a wall. You know, no. 
There's that light. Nothing else. That light is my salvation. My light is the exit of this dark place. Take heed to it until the day dawn. Day star, what is it? When revelation comes. The eyes of your understanding is enlightened by meditation. (gasps) The reason people aren't healed, they don't have a revelation of it yet. Healing is easy if you have a revelation. The reason why people are oppressed outside, you know, a chemical thing, but it doesn't matter. The Word of God's not bound, whether it's chemical in, in the brain, whatever. The Word of God not bound. If you take heed to the Word, that Word will get you out of any darkness. And it can be yours, what? The price is right. But see, the reason the Spirit of God interrupted me is the universal church. Not you guys. You guys are awesome. Our lackadaisical towards these riches. These exceeding great and precious promises. By these, we are partakers of the divine nature. We escape the corruption of the world. Well, yeah, and I got my Bible and I look at it. I read a psalm every night before bed. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. That's like, yeah, I got a million dollars in bank, but you know what? I'm struggling to pay my, my electric bill for $32.50. And I might going to have to take up another job. I got a million dollars in bank. Yeah, I know that, but uh, no. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, and any other species of things watching, let's not lay these things aside. God wants in revelation our spirit. Let us pray. Father, thank you for your help. Thank you for these exceeding, exceeding great and precious promises. And Lord, now we, we, we see a glimpse why Paul ceased not to pray. And Father, I pray for everyone here. I pray for myself, everyone here, and those that legitimately couldn't come. Father, I pray that the highs of our understanding would be enlightened, that we would know the hope of your calling. What is the riches of your glory inheritance in the saints and your exceeding greatness of your power? Father, you don't use adjectives lightly. Father, may we esteem them as you esteem them. May we call them precious as you call them precious. And Father, we thank you and we thank you that we'll walk. We'll walk in greater measures of our light and authority. In Jesus' name. With that vow's eyes closed. This morning, again, we looked at what God did for us. When Jesus took our sin we were made alive spiritually that's what the new birth is that's why unless this happened there we couldn't have the new birth here spiritually we were quickened together with us and when we accept Jesus that's why it belongs to every single person it, it, it's, it's already been paid for by we were quickened together with him and then seated together and, and all these precious not only saved us but gave us a glorious inheritance gave us authority and belongs to every one of us if we're born again we're born again and we're not walking we we just need light we need revelation but maybe you're here or maybe you're watching and you've never been born again and um, the reason you have to be born again is because we've all sinned come short of the glory of God if we sin
sin once, that sin corrupts our nature, and that sin will keep us out of hell, and there's no remedy but the mighty redemption of Lord Jesus Christ. If we could have been saved by being good, Jesus would need to die, shed his blood. But only the blood of God can save us, only the, the redemption in Christ. That's why the Bible says, if we believe in the heart that God raised from the dead, we can be saved. Not going to church, not being a good moral person, by what He did for us, acknowledging and accepting it. And maybe you're here, you've never made Jesus Lord of life, you've never been born again, or you're watching online, you've never been born again. You can be born again. The price has been paid, you can receive no matter where you've been, what you've done, what you're doing right now. If you honestly and sincerely accept Christ, you can become a son of God, your life can be changed. Real quick here, if there's anybody here or online, you've never been born again, and you'd like to be born again, would you raise your hand? love the Lord and, and be committed and consecrated to go to church. But we just want to make sure. But if you're, you're watching online and you've never been born again, there's a heaven to gain and hell to shun. And I, I, I implore you by the love of God, accept Christ. Accept Jesus. He, he is your light. He is yourself. And he, he will change things around for you. Accept Him now. In Jesus' name. I want to give one more invitation. Maybe you're here and you have been born again, but you're what we call back, so the Bible calls a prodigal son, a prodigal daughter, which simply means this, even though you're born again, you, you, you walked away from Him. And your heart knows it. There's a lack of joy and peace. You know that you're not walking, living for God. Well, the beautiful thing is you can come back and the Father will run to meet you and change your life. And so is it that you? Is anybody here? You, you've been backslidden. You want to rededicate your life to the Lord. under any one of those uh, situations. Um, go ahead right now, very humbly and sincerely pray this and say, God, I believe Jesus came. I believe He died for my sin. And I believe that He rose again. And right now I accept Him as my Lord and Savior. If you prayed a very simple prayer like that, the Bible says, whoever calls on Him or shall be saved. By the authority of God's word, you are born and you're now saved. And I want to encourage you, if you don't have a church family, find a church home. If you need help, we will help you. If you, you responded in any way you were helped, go ahead and contact us. We want to help you get started in your new life with God. Amen. Well, were you blessed this morning? Were you helped? Were you encouraged? I don't know about you, I was. If anything, I preached myself and you got to listen into it. Praise the Lord. I mean, just yesterday, the Holy Ghost got me says, meditate more. Okay, yes, sir, that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> so, meditate. You know why? He wants more of that to get on the inside of me. So, praise the Lord. Uh, what we do here at Family Church, you're visiting with us, we, we like to uh, close with a song. We've received the word. We like to, to worship the Lord. So, we invite you to stand and worship with us. And after the, after, uh, the song, I'll go ahead and dismiss us.